That last song we sang was just uh, awesome, reminding us that uh, even when God seems to be uh, silent in our lives, it does not mean He is still on the horizon. And when we saw, sang about worship, we need to remember that the idea behind worship is that we show that God is worth to everything to us. So when you and I worship, yes, we worship when we sing, uh, but we worship when we come to those big moments and very little moments where we decide to do what God would have us to do in that moment, in that choice. Uh, sometimes there's no audience, as we talked about last week, and we choose to do what's in alignment with how he would have us act in response to his uh, leading and guiding our lives. So even in those moments, maybe even sometimes more significantly in those moments, you and I are worshiping. Well, as I even said, we're in the middle of our working our way through our series, Jesus On, uh, the message on the ser- of the Sermon on the Mount for today. And we've been working our way through that. Uh, Will already mentioned that uh, if you need to catch up, if you've missed a week, uh, they're available online. You can go out to guest services and pick up a CD. Uh, if you're listening online even right now or uh, listening to a CD and you're in driving distance, we'd love to have you stop by and enjoy the, the real deal by being here this morning or being here next morning. And uh, that, would be, that would be fantastic. So as we're, as we're walking our way through um, and we're looking at uh, what uh, this is all about, we're realizing that uh, Jesus uh, can make life better and makes us better at life. And as we are looking at the Sermon on the Mount, as we're looking at all these statements that uh, have been around for over 2,000 years, and some of them still float around in culture today, you hear people hinting to them, saying them, uh, we realize or we're trying to discover that Jesus can make life better, not perfect, and makes us better at engaging in life as we follow him, as we walk with him. And this morning, as we continue on, it doesn't matter whether you're convinced or unconvinced or somewhere in between when it comes to matters of faith, I think you're going to learn some things about what Jesus has to say about prayer. Uh, We're actually going to be talking about prayer for including this Sunday. The next four weeks, we'll go through the Lord's Prayer next week, and then we'll go off a little bit off the Sermon on the Mount, just conclude some other ideas, other concepts about prayer, and then wrap it back up and then move back into uh, the Sermon on the Mount. So when we think about prayer, uh, when we think about what does prayer really mean, uh, a lot of us are intimidated by it. Uh, We're intimidated to pray publicly. Uh, We're intimidated to even sometimes pray uh, quietly. Uh, uh, Sometimes you and I get into our back ourselves into our corner, and uh, now it's time to really uh, say a serious prayer, and we almost feel like we're bothering God, and we almost want to say to him, Lord, I'm I'm asking you for this, but I won't ask for anything again for another 10 years. You know, we're just awkward about prayer. And I don't know about you, but every once in a while, uh, as I'm praying, I'm actually really conscious of what I'm saying, and I realize that my conversation with the Lord, my talking with the Lord, my being in His presence is so fragmented. Yeah, I mean, I could not have a conversation like with a person the way I'm actually talking with God. I'm like here, there, and all of a sudden, new idea and all that kind of a thing. So, so prayer is important. But if you and I really want to figure out what it means to uh, walk with Jesus, follow 
follow Jesus. Uh, we've got to, you know, revisit often the concepts of prayer. And for those of us who have been following Christ for a while, uh, we can actually identify that our prayer uh, changes over the years, how we pray, how we approach, and it, it's a rhythm. Just like you have a conversation with someone who's close to you, sometimes the focal points of those conversations change. They're, they're not always the same. But often, you and I, especially when it comes to uh, praying, praying out loud, praying before people, uh, feel a little bit like uh, this guy. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad, you know that. You're telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace in many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the Smorgasbord, you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day, day by day by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray to love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day amen amen oh greg that was lovely thank you greg that was interesting too <laughs> boy there's sometimes we're tempted you just want to jump in there and go amen let's eat but boy, that was uncomfortable. Sometimes I wonder if when I'm praying, whether it's publicly or praying uh, quietly, whether the Lord is having those same expressions on his face, opening his eyes, going, what is he saying? What is this all about? But prayer, you know, it can be a, it can be a hard thing. But just like we've been talking with here and there through the Sermon on the Mount, this iceberg principle, uh, we've been talking about that, and prayer really reflects that. Now, obviously, you see here the iceberg is upside down. And a lot of times when it comes to our expressions of prayer, uh, that's the, the public, the outside of us. And then there's the inside, the heart stuff. And um, there it is. It's, it's down there. But we realize that the reality is, is that when it comes to our prayer life, when it comes to connecting with God, communicating with God, being in God's presence, it needs to be the other way around. And icebergs don't stay this way. When an iceberg gets top-heavy, it actually turns over, and I came across this clip that, that actually shows this happening, that when the iceberg has less under the surface, it will eventually tip over.
I wish they could have given us an underwater scene, but what happens, obviously, is most of the mass goes under the waterline. And likewise, when it comes to our spiritual life, when it comes to walking with God, there needs to be more underneath the waterline so that our expressions, whether privately or publicly, actually are coming from substance. And when they're not coming from substance, we find that our life, in a sense, gets flipped upside down, gets uh, turned all around. Because, again, the iceberg, prayer, the iceberg principle is this idea that our prayer life, our, our public prayers, really come from substance underneath. And so you and I, as we're trying to connect with God and trying to grow in our area of prayer, need to realize and need to engage with this concept that there needs to be more underneath the waterline. And when there isn't, we find ourselves maybe even very articulate, uh, quoting songs in our prayer like Greg did, uh, but we find ourselves kind of going all over the place, and it's because of the substance underneath. And Jesus wants you and I, as followers, to have a robust, free, genuine, transparent prayer life. And he wants it to come out from underneath our lives and not just be on the surface. And so Jesus starts to get into this, and as he starts to talk about prayer, he starts to talk, he doesn't start to tell us how to do it, he gives us some ideas, some concepts, some principles. So if you could go to Matthew 6.5, you can do that on your uh, electronic device, your phone, if you've got version or some app like that, again, I encourage you to uh, uh, download something like that on your phone. Um, also, if you uh, are new to the Bible and don't happen to have a paper copy and you want one, uh, one of the rack Bibles around you is uh, there for you to actually take, and you'll notice, well, the page numbers, if you want to look along and see the page number and see where we're looking at, and then also uh, most of the verses will be up on the screen. So Jesus begins, we covered a a couple of these verses, went over them a little bit last week, uh, but we're going to just get started as he gets into speaking about prayer. Matthew 6, uh, verse 5. We start off. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue, standing in the churches, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, those people that are far from God or just very real ritualistic but not a relationship with God, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus, as he starts to break down this concept of talking with God, connecting with God, communicating with God, being aware of being in his presence, because we would say God is present everywhere. So the difference for us is to be aware of his presence and to talk with him and commune with him and to be aware of him, uh, that we first have to ask ourselves, where is the place of performance in prayer? We need to be aware of that. 
We need to be watching out for that. Back to verse 5, he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Last week we saw the idea behind uh, hypocrites was actor, and Jesus is really the first one we see using this when it comes to the term of spirituality. He says, don't be a spiritual actor. Don't um, have your iceberg, in a sense, have all the mass above the waterline and have nothing below the waterline. If you function that way, eventually life goes upside down. Goes upside down for those around you, goes personally upside down for you when there isn't the substance below the waterline. When we are a spiritual actor, uh, gave you a little bit more of a, of a definition than I talked about last week in your message guide. A hypocrite is a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue of faith. We've met these people. We've been these people. We are these people where we have a claimed value, a statement, a way of looking at life, and we project it. But when we're in the corner, when we're backed up against a wall, those virtues don't actually show up in our actions. And when somebody else does it, it really pushes our buttons. Many times he or she is a person that acts in contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. In the Older Testament, it's translated as godless. Uh, in the New Testament, the origin, origin of that word is connected to a stage actor playing a role. And Jesus has been seeing this. He's been watching it with the religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, um, the people that should know all this stuff, and they do all know this stuff, and they project this as other verses where they talk about the burdens of the religious rules and all of that put on people and how the people that are advocating that, pushing that, uh, just don't do that. Uh, we see that in our world in religious circles. We see that world in political circles, advocating a position and living differently. We see that everywhere. We see that in our own lives. Uh, sometimes we see that as parents. We push our kids in a certain direction, but then we find ourselves kind of doing the same thing we were on their backs about. goes on to say, for they love, they enjoy, they're energized, to pray, standing in the church, the synagogues. They, they love to be the focus. They love to be the attention. And then on the street corners to be seen by others. They just, they just, they just, they want to be the focus. And this just, this just pushes Jesus' buttons because it's, it's not real. And in this, in this way of acting, they have to, they're putting others down and they're lifting themselves up and really nothing is happening. When you and I are, are, are praying and it's hypocritical and it's unconnected, uh, those, those prayers just are kind of bouncing off the ceiling. doesn't mean that God doesn't hear them. He's like, what is this? What is this? Why are you acting this way, saying these kinds of things when, when there's no meaning? Actually, it's a, it's a little more offensive. I've told you those times where I've, uh, when I was younger and my sister was uh, bothering me and I wanted to bother my sister back and I would tell her that I loved her and, and I would tell her so uh, insincerely, so sarcastically that she would just go into 
orbit. David just said he loved me. You know, to my mother, my mother would be like, what? You know, it just, it, it, because it wasn't accurate. I was not loving her at that moment. I, I didn't care for her, and I were using all these words, but they were not connected to my heart. And so as you and I talk with God, as we communicate to God, we have to ask ourselves, are we, are we doing it for the audience, or, or, or what are we doing? I know that um, there's times where, uh, I've shared with this before, where I'm at my, my parents' house, and my mom asked me, you know, it's a family thing, Dave, will you pray for the meal and all this stuff? And I, I give her a little hard time. I say, do you want Dave, your son, to pray, or do you want Reverend Spencer to pray? She's like, she goes, I want a little bit of both. And then even recently over last Christmas we were down, uh, I don't know what this meant, but my dad actually told me, when you pray, Dave, pray a little longer. Because usually I'm just like, hey, Lord, thanks for the dinner. We're good to be together. Amen. Let's eat. And he wanted a longer prayer. So he can't win. But anyway, um, you, know, you know, we're in this place where, you know, there's this temptation. How, how do we do it? How are we, how are we seen by men? By seen by others, because when you and I have the mo- uh, motivation to, to look good in front of others, Jesus goes on to say, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In full. It's, 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 it, that's it. In other words, everybody thought that was a great prayer. It may have been a great prayer. It sounded really good. And you've got your reward. You've that, that's kind of as far as it's going because it was a show. It was a game. And in a sense, Jesus is saying God writes that prayer off. Now, we're fortunate that God has a lot of grace, and so he doesn't write off all those prayers in a sense. But it's, it's this idea that, that, you, that you're not convincing him. You wanted to have the hand of God move in your life. You wanted him to show up in your life. You wanted him to be in your midst. And uh, you did it mainly to get everybody to go, ooh, wow. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of empty, and, and that's it. So you see the, the gift, and I like the word gift instead of reward a little bit, but the, the gift is the inten- attention of others. Because really, again, when it comes back to motivation, you know, the way we think words change a little bit, you know, hopefully we're not praying, quote-unquote, for just rewards, but we're praying because we're trying to be close to God, we're trying to enter into his presence, be aware of his presence, and then in a sense, because of that, he gives us this gift. So when you and I are doing it for others, the gift that we receive is the attention of others. And we find when we go after that, that becomes not very satisfying. It becomes pretty empty uh, when we do that. Now, some of us, we've talked a little bit about this along the way, but, but some of us you know, say, well, I really don't do that. You know, I don't really, in a sense, misrepresent ourselves. But there are times where, you know, going back to our whole social media presence, there, there are times that, in a sense, we're, we're putting things out there kind of just to be the focus, kind of say, my life is wonderful and yours might not be so wonderful, even when it isn't. We, we try to get the attention of others. And we try to be the focus. And, and God is just like, Jesus is like, no, you don't, you're not supposed to be the center of, of the world. So you have this idea of the uh, performance in prayer, performance in our spiritual lives. And when it's just to look good, to be seen by others, uh, it's, it's an empty, empty thing to be involved with. And if we're pursuing that, we're going to find that our prayer life really is not satisfying. 
There's also the place of presence in our prayer life. The place of presence. This idea, but when you go, when you pray, and pray to your Father who is unseen. It's interesting he starts off with this because, uh, you know, it is, it, is, it is a little odd. It can be a little weird. Uh, sometimes, not often, I, I like to pray out loud. So I actually think if my words make sense. So I'm not going so randomly all over the place. And um, it is a little weird to be in a room, uh, you know, no one's around, and you just, you're just speaking out loud like that. It's a little odd. And I, I think Jesus realizes that when you and I pray, uh, you're praying to a Father who is unseen. And this idea of, of, of doing that. And, uh, you know, so we have to ask ourselves, you know, where, where is our, where is presence? And the idea of being present in our prayers and understanding that. Um, I like what uh, C.S. Lewis says. He says, may it be the real I who speaks, May it be the real thou that I speak to. This idea of may I really be showing up. So that means being honest with our prayers, being genuine with our prayers. When something bugs us, yes, being respectful, uh, but, but, but sharing that with God. God knows what's going on in our hearts. Uh, sometimes we watch and we, sometimes we've had people that uh, when they talk one way, but when they pray, they pray a completely different way. And we go, is that the real them? Now, there's been a couple times that I know I've had, I've had a few people that were older, and, and when they would pray, it would be like they were praying in King James with these and thous. But in their cases, giving them the benefit of that, I really think they were coming into God's presence, and it was intentional that they were in the presence of Almighty God, and they wanted to be respectful, and they wanted to do that, and it, it was not a role-playing. So you and I, when we're looking on the outside, looking on the inside, sometimes that's very legitimate. So if you know someone who prays that way, don't go, oh, that's, you know, that's phony. It may not be. But if I pray that way, so, so just, you know, so if you, oh, Dave's gone off the deep, if he starts praying that way, like words I don't normally use. So may it be the real I, and may it, may it be the real you that I speak to. May I be growing in my understanding of who God is, so that as I'm, as I'm thinking about you and talking with you, that I'm, I'm speaking to the real you. I'm not manufacturing some God that fits my image that I really know the true God. I know him by knowledge, but I also know him by experience. And that's one reason we're um, so uh, strong on getting and spending time with him on a daily basis. That's why we want you to have uh, the Bible, the scriptures, know how to walk through that, know how to understand that. Yes, there are parts in there that just are, are hard to understand. Uh, there are some parts that I don't think we'll ever totally understand. It's like God brings back the veil, and then there's some things we just don't really know what is going on. But I will say this, there is plenty, there is plenty that is clear and understandable. There's plenty. There's plenty to keep me busy and growing and understanding who God is rather than focus on some of those um, oddball passages that we go, what does that really mean? So, so, you know, don't pull back from that. But we want to know who the real God is that we are speaking to. Then we see that when then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
I think he'll, he'll gift you. He sees what you're doing. He sees that you're not producing a show. He knows you're not producing a show in his presence. He knows that you're not producing a show in other people's presence. And this isn't an, a, a concept that we can't publicly pray. It's just who are we praying to? Who are we praying for? I remember the first time uh, I, was a, I was, had been a youth pastor, and now I was the lead pastor at this church, and uh, I was probably about 30 years old, and my brother was getting married, and I was asked to do a prayer at the wedding. And all these family members, you know, go back forever, all these people, friends and everything, were going to be at this wedding for my brother. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, oh my... This is like my coming out prayer in front of the family and everybody. You know, I've got to make this like awesome. And I've got to do the, you know, because I need people to go, wow, Dave's grown up. Remember when he was a little boy, you know, and all that stuff. And, and it was freaking me out. How was I going to do this prayer? You know, what do I write down? And, you know, all this kind of thing. And then, and then, the, then it dawned on my, in my mind, Dave, I think this was the Lord, just pray your dreams and your wishes and your hopes for your brother Jeff and his wife-to-be, Lisa. And all of a sudden, I took a deep breath. I'm in the church, and there's all these people here, you know, Aunt Vivian, Uncle Dave, you know, and all this, uh, you know, you know, good little boy, Dave, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just prayed. I prayed it was like it was just me and God and Jeff and Lisa in the room. I don't remember what I said, but, you know, whether it counts or not, I, I felt satisfied. I felt good about how I prayed because I prayed my heart for my brother and soon-to-be sister-in-law. Changed everything. So, again, this doesn't mean you don't pray a lot, but it's, it's, it's your audience of one again. We talked a little bit about that. And so how, do, how, does God, how does God reward us? Does, does God all of a sudden, boo, we get what we were praying for instantaneously or put somebody on a path? Now I'm going to see my uh, brother and sister-in-law probably married 20-some years, you know, and things are going good for them. Is, is, that, the, is that the reward? Well, I would say that's some of it. That's some of the gift. But I really, again, I think the gift is the presence of God. And if you've been a Christ follower for a little while, or a long while, I can almost guarantee it that you have had these moments where you are aware of God's presence. I love those moments. And when I pray, yes, I'm talking to him about something that's heavy on my heart, or maybe I'm acknowledging who he is, but the thing I really want out of my time, my moment with him when I shut out everything else, is I really want to be aware of his presence. And that's the gift I'm looking for. And he says, when we come to him genuinely, like in secret, when we come to him that way, we find ourselves receiving not the gift necessarily of an answered prayer which is a gift but we actually find ourselves aware of his presence as a young counselor i've maybe shared this before in different settings i was 19 years old working at this camp and 
First of all, I couldn't believe that parents were actually leaving their kids to stay with me. I mean, I'm like 19, I'm going, do you realize you're like, you're like, you know who I am? You know, and they leave your kids, you, you know, and uh, afterward put the kids down to sleep the way the, the cabins were. There was probably 10 cabins and they were shaped in an L and they were in these pines. So there was nice pine needles, you know, on the ground to sit on that kind of thing. Uh, the other counselors and I would, would get out in those long, pine, in the pine trees and we could hear our cabins. So you could, hey, knock it off in there, you know, that kind of thing. But we would pray together. And, and we were so conscious of that. We were basically 19-year-old idiots. And, and these parents left their kids with us. And we did want God to do something in their lives that we prayed with a desperation and a genuineness. And, you know, you know I want to say it was magical, but it was, it, was, it was just supernatural. And we felt the favor and presence of God in a way that as a, as a growing up going to church and saying yes to Christ at a young age, I, I'd never really ever experienced before. It was a beautiful moment. And, uh, and you can't live in just the emotion of those moments. So if you say, well, I haven't had a prayer moment like that in a long time, you can't make that your focus. But, but I will say, being in that presence gave me a hunger to want to be, and we would do that every night after we put the kids down. And you, you couldn't keep us from that. We want, and if it was pouring rain, we wouldn't do it, but we, but we wanted to. We just wanted to be out there to, to lift these kids up to the Lord, but also together as a group publicly. And there was you know, no show, show being seen by others, but it was, just, it was just a sweet time to be in God's presence. Some of you have experienced that in community groups. That's why we advocate those so strongly. In a group like this, this doesn't happen. On Big Church Sunday, but in a small group, half a dozen people, uh, those things can happen. And, and it can be just a, a beautiful moment. I've told you before about uh, Eddie Ward. Uh, the church we were at, uh, there was a group home next door, and the group home uh, had men in it, anywhere from like out of high school up to Eddie Ward was probably the oldest. He was like 72. But good old Eddie Ward was like a six-year-old. And uh, he, would, he would come to church every Sunday, and every once in a while he'd raise his hand because he wanted to say something or pray for something. And, and when he, not every week, not every time, but sometimes he says, yes, Eddie, what's going on? And, and he would say, I want to pray for, let's say there was someone who paid special attention to him at church, just loved on him and was sick, and he would, he would pray for that person with tears in his eyes, trembling voice because he loved them. And it wasn't the best prayer per se, but it was the best prayer. We as a church would be ushered into the presence of God. And you almost wish you could say, Eddie, could you pray like that for another 20 minutes and the service can be over? Didn't work that way. But again, the gift is God's presence. So we need to be present. We need to show up. We see this happening in the Older Testament with Moses. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meaning. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meaning outside the camp. It was a quiet place. I hope you have a tent of meeting in your life. Maybe it's your living room before everybody gets up. Maybe it's your living room before after everyone's gone to bed. 
Maybe it is a closet. I have a friend underneath the staircase of his house in the basement. He built his little prayer room. And he's got a little door on that and all that kind of thing. It's interesting. He's moving after being in the same house for 28 years. Uh, I'm interested to see if he's having this house built, if he has something a little bit different built. But, but I'm sure he'll have a prayer room, prayer closet. And he goes in there. Uh, he, no, everybody in his family knows to leave him alone and not bug him. And he just goes in there and spends time with God. You don't have to have something elaborate like that. Maybe it's your car on your way home from work. Just don't close your eyes. And you're, having your, you're in your prayer closet or whatever. But a tent of meeting. And so you can experience the gift, not of answered prayer, which is a gift. I think God does answer prayer. But the bigger gift is his presence. Little farther along, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Jealous of that myself. Maybe it's close, but I don't think it was like that when it comes to my prayer time. But oh, would I want that. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. It's interesting. In Moses' role modeling, praying, connecting with God, being with God. It touched his young aide, Joshua. And for those of us who know the rest of the story, Joshua will lead the nation of Israel, and he'll lead it well. Some of that happened because of that. So not only your tent of meaning is good for you personally, your tent of meaning has ripple effects into the lives of those closest around you. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates, paraphrases, renders verse 6. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you'll begin to sense His grace. I don't know about you, but there's not a week that goes by, sometimes it's not a day that goes by, that I don't need to sense his grace. I need to sense it. It happens when we get alone with God. Now, it's hard to be in his presence. It's hard to hold on to that gift, if you will. It's almost like the minute we receive in our hands, it's sand or water, and it starts going out, you know, onto the ground. And there are a lot of things that can do that, but there's also the place of preoccupation in prayer. This can affect our prayer time. We get, we get preoccupied with other things. Again, when you go into your room to pray, close the door. To me, that's imagery. Close the door to the other things. Sometimes what's brought you to your knees, brought to you to your tent of meeting, is what's going on in your life. But there's this idea, don't let that distract you. For some of us, that means never, ever, ever, ever take our phone with us when we're going to pray in our tent of meeting. For some of us, that means if we use our computer, I use my computer for a lot of stuff, I turn off the reminders and turn off all the, the things so every time an email comes through, it doesn't pop up on my screen because I'm not disciplined enough when I, ooh, an email, what's that? EMS has a 60% off deal today? Mm. 
maybe I need to look at that. Maybe God's brought that because I need to save someone. No, you know, you know, all the things, preoccupation. Keep those things. Close the door, however that applies in your life. Figure out how to close the door. And if you say, I'm too busy to ever have moments of closing the door, then you are too busy. I don't think God calls us to something without giving us the opportunity to actually spend time with him. There's got to be a way. Uh, There's some famous stories from uh, these moms who had like million kids and were, their kids grew up to be missionaries. And, and there was this one mom, and I can't remember her name. Some of you probably know it off the top of your head. And she would, in the middle of their one-room, living room, couple bedrooms, little cottage, she would sit in her rocking chair and put a blanket over her head. That was her tent of meeting, literally. And the kids knew to leave her alone. She figured it out. If you and I were hungry and passionate and driven, you and I can figure out how to have a tent of meeting in our life. So we want to make sure that the needs of life, even though that may be what's dragging us, the the preoccupations, doesn't squeeze that time out. You know the story of Mary and Martha. Jesus is visiting in their home. Martha's distracted by all the preparations. Mary is at the feet of Jesus, sucking in her time, learning everything she can, wants to be with Jesus. Martha gets upset, gives Mary a hard time, gives Jesus a hard time, and Jesus basically says, "This, what Mary has chosen is right. Don't let it be taken from her. Don't let all the needs and busy work take her from her the presence of me, and you should learn that too. There are some things you and I should say no to. Sometimes peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are enough. You don't have to have a full course meal. Whatever it is, you know the different components of life. Martha probably should have just done something simple. But again, she was in love with Jesus, but she was, she was missing it. So I would say these intentions can be good, but you and I can find ourselves using all our time up for things that, aren't as, that, that don't have the same value as actually being in God's presence. And also going along with this is the noise of life. And it's interesting, even Jesus himself would slide away, slip away, would go away and spend time. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. You see, Jesus would slide away from the noise. See it again in Mark. We read this. We read, And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Jesus regularly would get away from the noise so he could spend time with his heavenly Father. If anyone had enough substance, enough whatever below the waterline, it was Jesus. He had enough, yet he saw the necessity of sliding away, slipping away to be with Jesus. And what happens is we have the gift is the concern of God. God is a part of us. He's, he's, we get his heart, if you will, because he knows He knows uh, we are after his heart. There's also another danger, and there's the danger of programming. 
in prayer. Uh, you know, it's almost like a superstitious kind of thing. Da, 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 da. It's almost like, uh, you know, you got to do this to get that. And uh, just the way Jesus describes, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans do, those who really don't have a relationship with God, for they think they will be heard because of their many words, their rosy words, their fancy words. Uh, you know, if I just say this, then I'll get his attention. And that's not the way it works trying to program, trying to get it too rhythmy. Uh, sometimes you and I will use Christianity, Christianese words. We'll use words that are like words that aren't a part of our regular uh, language. Uh, sometimes you and I are confused when we, when we hear these words, it's these, this subculture, this, uh, all these Christian words, and we don't really, really know what it means. For example, uh, sometimes somebody will say, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and we go, what, what does that, Lord, I know you work in mysterious, you know, and, and again, you may be praying that sincerely, so I'm not getting after you, but, but, but basically that just means I don't understand either. I don't know what you're doing. You know, use words that are, are, are not some kind of a different set of words when we talk with God and, and talk with others. Uh, sometimes I've heard, uh, and I, I probably prayed it myself, you know, I pray for a hedge of protection around this person, or I pray for traveling mercies, you know, when my, and I never, I never say that anywhere else. So really what I'm saying is, please protect me or my loved ones when they travel. So trying to get to the point where we're not using all these special words that we think might get God's ear just a little bit. But he just wants us to be real. He just wants us to be genuine. And then all of a sudden, the gift that you and I get is the gift, is the hearing of, uh, when we use, excuse me, when we use all these fancy words, when it is a game, the gift is the hearing of only yourselves. When we're making this into a babbling thing and trying to use all these special words and, and, and talk rosily because we're trying to, it's, it's, just, it's just words. They just bounce off the ceiling because they're really not coming from the heart. Verse 7 says it this way, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. And that's not to be the deal. That's to be as far from this thing of walking and communing with God as possible. We also see the place of provision in prayer. Provision in prayer. We do come to God with needs. He wants us to come to him like a loving heavenly father. I love it when my girls most of the time call me and want to ask my advice and have some questions. I like the fact that they're looking to me, and I, I, I love that. Uh, and so, so God likes us turning to him. He wants to be there for us. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And it's the idea that God is aware of our lives. God just wants to be in relationship with us. He wants, us to, he, he wants to hear it from our lips, hear it from our heart. The same way when my kids were young, they always wanted to go out for ice cream. I knew that. I knew that, but, there was, but they needed to ask. And it was nice. I loved, I loved telling, yes, we'll go out for ice cream tonight. We'll go do that because I like ice cream too. But uh, we'd go out for ice cream and those kinds of things. I, I liked them asking. 
I liked being in that connection with him. God loves being that real to us as our Heavenly Father. He loves us talking with him and asking for his help. He loves when that happens. Um, when we're thinking about our prayer, we've got to keep this all in balance. Again, there's no formula for this. I, I don't want to say half of your prayer should be about all these other things, other people, then half of your prayer can just be about asking you. You know, it's got to be like a conversation. But I love the way uh, Matthew 6, uh, verse 31 and 33 is in the message. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find that all your everyday human concerns will be met. It's about enjoying him. It's about being in his presence. He knows what you and I need. Yes, he wants us to talk with him, but we can rest assured, we can relax that he will provide for us. You see, the gift of understanding this is the gift is the heart of God. We are on his heart. We are on his heart. So when you think about praying, when you think about that opening clip, when you think about Greg, he's trying to give this, this perfect prayer, and I don't want you to walk away this morning thinking, oh, I've got you know, to give this perfect prayer. It isn't about that. It's not about having the perfected prayer. It's more about this. It's about don't try to do perfect prayers or don't try to perfect, uh, have perfect prayers. Allow prayer to perfect you. Don't try to perfect your prayers. Allow prayer to perfect you. And as you and I grow in our relationship with God, it's not going to be that we are perfect that we arrive, but our presence, our experiences with God, our being close to Him, our being in that tent of meaning changes us from the inside out. So it's not about having the perfect prayer. It's not about impressing people. It's not about impressing God it's about letting prayer in your relationship with him perfect me, perfect you. Would you please pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for these words from your son. We're thankful for the way they take some of the heat and the weight off of talking with you. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to get better at talking with you, sharing our heart, listening to you listening to your word as it speaks to our hearts, that we really would have a dynamic conversation with you. Help us not to just hold out to life as totally falling apart. Help it to be a regular rhythm of our lives. We're thankful that you're not looking for perfect prayers from us, but you're looking to use our time with you to work your will, your heart into us. We thank you so much for the gift of prayer, the gift of talking and connecting with you. May it be, again, a regular part of our lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. This time in our services where we give...